0: Also, awesome. I heard it was just phenomenal. I tried to go, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> um, I think we had nearly a hundred ladies up there. Great, great retreat. And uh, but what that meant was, all four of my daughters were up at camp, and one of my daughters' husband had to work, so I was uh, babysitting for my grandchildren. They're young ones. And uh, and this is what I discovered. I'm very intuitive about these things. You're supposed to be young when you have children. <laughs> and by the end of the day, I was... I told my wife, I think I would have rather been digging ditches all day. I mean, as far as energy-wise. I love being with my grandkids, but I was done. And... Uh, And then then I thought, I'm so proud of myself, not because of, you know, not because of of that necessarily, but because um, we raised five kids, and um, three of them were born while I was in college and working full time, and then the other two were born, and we had five young ones when we, you know, started, well, they weren't, they were, all of them were finally born by the time we... Um, you know, we're like our second year, I think, uh, in our in our church. So we passed started pastoring the church with five little ones, and we survived. And I was thinking about how we did did that. I mean, I was starting to feel really good, and then you know how we did it? God, yeah, just the Lord. Say. Well, other people do it, yeah, but they weren't us. We couldn't do it without the Lord. I mean, it was just, that's the way it works, you know. God's so good. Well, while I was taking, doing this, I had some time. I was really praying. And uh, and I felt like the Lord, I, I had a message for you I was really excited about. You know, I worked on it a couple weeks ago, was kind of finalizing it, feeling really good about it. And then I felt like the Lord said, no, you're going to speak that another time. Now, I don't. It doesn't ha- often happen that way. I like to know I'm hearing from God ahead of time and what I'm preparing. But this time the Lord, he, 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 um, he dumped a message on me. I, I say dumped a message. I, I, I got the message in five minutes. I had the outline, everything in five minutes. And... And that wasn't it, so don't get nervous. I did work on it after that. But, but I felt like the Lord has something. And, and I know he wouldn't, I don't know that he wouldn't change it. He, he, could, he could change it if it was just for one person. But I think this message is for everybody. But I think there are some people that this is specifically to help in your life at the point right now that you are at in your life. And... So um, I'm just calling it Cast It Out, and it's, it's along with the series. The series, th- this message fits, so I don't feel bad about that in our ser- the series we started last week, which is called Living Free from Transitional Stress, and we've been talking about the fact that all of us are in transition. You have, you know, you're heading towards something. You know, we're always heading towards something in our life, transitions in our life, from the time we're little, you know, to walking, to going to school, to, you know, going to junior high and high school, and then off to careers or college or, you know, the person, relationships, person we're going to marry, have kids or or not, or how we're, you know, we go through the process of life. And in that process, there are tons of transitions, job changes and and all kinds of things that are part, and there's stress in those things, and stress is part of life. We live in a a time, though, and since they have been studying these things, they're telling us that the world today, stress levels are at record high in the world that we live in today, record high. And, and, uh, And they also tell us that the suicide rate has passed, actually in the last five years, has passed car crashes as the number one injury death in America. Suicide. More people are unhappy, more people are stressed out, more people are hopeless than any other time in American history. And you look at that, and you think of the fact that what we've just gone through in our country I mean over over the years I mean we had you know we've had world wars we've had times when there was you know mass amount of of uh epidemics and and uh poverty I mean poverty levels now are at the place where people are living in poverty today which is with as much as middle-class and wealthy people lived just a generation ago. So the idea that we have more external stress, it seems strange since there have been people. I mean, how do you walk up to somebody who lived through the Second World War and say, man, I'm really stressed. My, my iPhone is not working right today. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you process the stresses that most of us face in our life on an everyday basis compared to those who have gone before us, and yet they say that our stress levels are higher than, than what their, theirs were. And, and, and I would submit that it's not the externals that are causing it. And the solutions are not, be, you know, are not fixed by making things kind of physically better. Now, they they list the things that that people say are their highest stress levels. And uh, there's a list of them. The first one is jobs. People are stressed at their job. There's a lot of pressure on people at work. Uh, Demand is higher for workers to to do more, to spend more hours. Um, And that... I don't know that it's worse than it was a generation or two generations ago, but it feels that way for many people. Money is an issue, and people struggle. We don't have enough, and we spend too much, and there's a lot required. And relationships, relationships is an issue, and people say that's where the greatest stress is, that marriages are under a lot of pressure, and relationships are under a lot of pressure, family relationships... The fourth one is uh, poor diet. Now, I'm not sure if poor diet causes stress or because people just know that they're eating bad and they feel stressed about that. You know, <laughs> one or the other. I'm not sure which one it is, but poor diet is is named as number four. And then media overload, media overload, which I would say in this generation is at a much higher level than any of the... Than than anything else, the, the others I look at and say every generation had those. In fact, some of them, most most uh, most of the time they were worse. But this one, media overload, and and I think the reason for that is we have the world's problems in our back pocket. You know, the the whole world is is here, and if something happens at another place in the world, it's we're reading about it instantly and some tragedy can happen a shooting or something like that can happen in another place and all of a sudden you know we have it here it's it's ours i had people nervous about coming to church because there was a shooting and you know in a synagogue and they were saying they're targeting they're targeting you know churches and you have to be and we're we're cautious with that we have safety team and all of that but really more people died in your city in a car accident than got shot in a church in the last decade do you, you realize th- that what we do is because we have it here then it's everything the whole world is right here and and it causes us to feel stressful and fearful and have anxieties we have we have neighborhood watch on our, I, I get this, you know, it's uh, where we live, they have this neighborhood thing, it's, on, it's, a, it's an app, it's on your phone, and it tweaks, you know, somebody stepped on my grass, and they look suspicious, <laughs> oh, look out, the picture of them right there, shows them on video, <laughs> the whole world, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's right there for us to stress out about, lack of sleep, how many have that problem? Lack of sleep. Some of it's because we watch too much media and we can't get to sleep. And then, um, then trying to make it to church on time on Sunday morning, that's a stress factor. Right? I made that one up. <laughs> but I think it is. Well, there's three things I want to tell you. And because we're talking about stress and some of you get stressed out if you can't fill in the, the little blanks. I'm going to tell them, tell them ahead of time, the main ones, okay? Cast out cares with humility. Then cast out fear with love. And cast out worry with prayer and thanksgiving. Let me explain those to you. The first one, cast out cares, cast out the cares with humility. Um, The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares cares for you. Now that second verse is one of my favorite, the one I go to frequently when I am needing. It says, cast all your cares upon him before he cares for you. But it's very interesting. In 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 the original language, the Greek was written, Verse 6 and 7 are one sentence. We separate them for reference purposes into two verses, but it's actually just one sentence. It's one, it, the, the thought is only complete together. So he's saying, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humility, humility, it starts with humility. It, it, there is no. You you don't get the benefit of casting your cares without starting off with humility. Why? Because a lot of anxiety and stress is because of an unwillingness to submit to God and God's will and taking on life on your own terms. See, what we tend to do is we tend to start, you know, off, you know, we come to Christ, but... We've been living our life kind of on our terms. We do our own thing. And that and surrendering to Christ or you know, following Jesus is supposed to mean that we surrender everything to Christ and He leads and He guides us and we just submit our lives to Him. Now, it isn't that, that we don't make decisions, but we always make it with Him in mind and His truth and His and yet what we end up doing oftentimes is we end up taking on the Life and everything about it our own way. We kind of become our own little God to ourselves, and doing our thing. And instead of surrendering to God's will, we take on all the things of life. And when you do that, well, when you become God, who do you go to when you need God? And, and I'm talking to Christians here. Because I think what happens is we start off by saying, you know, I'm I'm surrendering to Jesus, but that surrender is temporary until something comes along that kind of stresses us and now we take it on, it's ours. I gotta have, I'm gonna fix it. And we take on life that way. And we make choices and decisions about life without, you know, and sometimes we're aware of the fact that we're making those decisions and they're contrary to God's will. But, you know, God understands and I have to do this and this is the way it should happen. Then things fall apart And where do you go when things are falling apart? Because we're running our own life, we're doing our own thing, we're our own little God, and then now I can't fix this in front of me. What am I going to do now? And since I can't fix this thing in front of me, now I have to come to God and say, God, will you help me? But where's the confidence of coming to God for help when you have ignored him all along? That confidence isn't there. So that's why humility is so important. Humility is that place that we have before God in which we surrender to him. He's in charge. I'm not in charge. He's in charge. And he's in charge because he cares. Jesus was in a boat with his disciples. He's in the back of the boat. They're going across the lake. A storm comes up. And they start freaking out. I mean, we're gonna die. And Jesus is in the boat. And so they come to Jesus, and this is how they wake him up. Master, don't you care? Don't you care? That was their problem. He rebukes them about their faith on this. They're like, where's your faith? Why are you so timid? He rebukes them because... They didn't trust that he even cared. Now, he's been caring all this time. They've walked with him, and they know he cares. He's the one who's fed him. He did care care. Of course he cares, but he doesn't care because they're going through a problem right now because problems must mean that he doesn't care, right? No, that's not what it means. And when you're going through a problem, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care. In fact, God does care. He cares a lot. He cares more than you know he cares. And that's why the scripture says cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you're not convinced he doesn't care for you. If you're not convinced of his care that he's really there to help you. If you're not convinced of that of course you're going to worry. Of course you're going to worry. Of course you're not going to be able to cast your cares upon him. Because how can you trust him? And so you cast your cares upon him, but it starts with humility. You submit, submit your life to him fully. Secondly, cast out fear with love. It says in, in John, and you don't do it, God does it. In John, 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But we who, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who fears is not made perfect in love. Let me suggest a way in which we see this and interpret this. When you are fully persuaded, everybody say fully persuaded. When you are fully persuaded that someone who is all-powerful and all-knowing loves you more than life itself, no fear can stand against that kind of love. No fear. Unfortunately, our fear and anxiety exposes how imperfect our faith in God's love is. When I am fearful, when I am worried, when I am anxious, that just tells me how far from a perfect understanding or a perfect faith in God's love is. God loves me, and we, you know, as Christians, we, we, we tout that, and we believe it. I'm not saying we don't believe it. We just don't believe it perfectly. We don't believe it completely. And to the degree that we don't believe it is to the degree that we'll spend our time and energies worrying and stressed in our life. Because here's the thing. If an if a all-powerful, all-knowing God doesn't care about you, doesn't love you, that's all you got is worry. Of course, you sh- in fact, you should worry. There's nothing else. If God doesn't love you, if God doesn't care about your situation, worry on. It doesn't make any difference, just worry on because there's no one on your side. But the Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? There's nothing that, that can come against you if God is on your side. And God loves you, and an almighty God cares for you. And so, really, the degree, if if you're worrying, let that be a barometer about your real comfort in God's love. Because I think what happens sometimes is we believe God loves us, but we're just not sure how much He loves us. You know, we believe God loves us, but I think God loves them better than He loves me. I, I think. He kind of likes me. You know, I'm kind of one of the not, 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 not as much loved kids. When God, you know, and we have situations, and we filter it through that, that God isn't really, he's not really kind of caring for me. He's not really, I'm kind of on my own. And I'm, well, worries just fills the gap for us. Anxiety fills the, the, fills the lack of faith. In, in the love of God. And it's understandable, but it's not, but it's, it's a false premise about who God is and what God, how much God loves you. God loves you. The Bible has been very clear to us about the love of God, that it's out, without respect to person and that God loves you, the, the, the level of love. Jesus says, I have loved you like the Father has loved me. As much as the Father loves me, he says, I love you. And you have, you have the Father's love. The Father's love for Jesus is the, is the same love for you. The, fa- the Father's love for, uh, for Jesus is the same love that Jesus has for you. And that's, that's perfect love. And perfect love casts out fear. But if you don't accept that God loves you, well, fear is going to remain. It's go- it's, it has to. It has no place to go. It, you cannot cast it out without love. Now, it's not just an intellectual. I'm giving you good reasons, hopefully. Reasons why you go, you know, love, and I'll give you a few more here. But it isn't an intellectual thing where I just go, it doesn't make sense to worry, I, God loves me. There, there really is, there, there, there is a power, a connection. And that has to do with how we cast out worry. And by prayer, with prayer and thanksgiving. Let's read this scripture in, in Philippians that you all, for, most of you are familiar with. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just... Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I want you to catch where he says, be anxious for, what is that? You mumbled it. Did you hear the same thing I heard? No, Nothing. Nothing. What is that word again? Nothing. I think it's pretty clear. God is saying, don't be anxious for anything. Nothing. No anxiousness. No, no anxiety. No, no stress. Because see, all, of all those things we listed that cause stress and many more... It's not the reason for stress. Worry is the number one reason for stress. Worry. It's a response to something or the potential of something. And God says, be anxious for nothing. Because see, worry is unreasonable. Anxiety, worry, they're the same word here. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make sense because it doesn't change a thing you're worrying about. Think of all the things you've worried about in the past. How many things that you worried about, the worry changed the outcome? None, none. Worry did not change the outcome. Worry didn't change anything but you. Because that's all worry changes is us. It changes us in so many ways. It causes, worry causes the problem to grow. It doesn't cause it to shrink. It causes it to grow in us. It becomes a bigger problem because we're worrying about it. It's more of a problem now because I'm worrying about it than it was before I started worrying about it. It doesn't make you grow. Jesus actually said that. He says it's going to make you taller. It's not, gonna, not gonna, going to increase your stature. It's not going to do anything along the Worry is Learn behavior. You didn't start off worrying. You know, Jesus said about the birds. He says, the birds, they don't go worrying. We're, you know, they're not out there worrying. No, their Heavenly Father's going to take care of them. And they just live life. The animal kingdom lives life. You and I don't. We learn to worry. And some of us are expert worriers. We've, we've taken it to a, just a professional level, some of us. I mean, we should have graduate degrees in worry. Some of you could teach; you'd be professors in teaching how to worry at you know at extreme levels because you just worry all the time, and it's you know you find something to worry. If you don't have something to worry about, you don't even feel normal. So you're finding something to worry about. There's always something to worry about, and and it. It, not only is it it's bad, it's unhealthy. Worry is unhealthy. It, it, eat, it eats at you. It causes health issues. You know, the medical industry tells us that, that um, really stress and worry cause more illness than anything else. It's, sometimes it is actually the producer of sickness. So if you're worried about getting sick, it might be that you're actually producing what you're worried about. Because you're, you know, you take it. And that's the problem. And if we don't trust God, if we're not, if we're not willing to trust God, and we, we're only, you know, we're going to, we, we allow worry, which is, listen, when you're worrying, you're not living in faith. Worry is the opposite of faith. It's, in fact, it's faith in the opposite direction. When I'm worried about something, I am having faith in the opposite direction. I, I, I will take, I'll take my unbelief to an extreme level as I'm worrying. You all know what I'm talking about, right? That's what we do when we worry. We don't just worry about the thing, but we think of the very worst thing that could happen out of that situation. Yeah? Got a, I got a pain in my side. Oh no! You know, you Google to find out what that possible pain could be, and every list of what it could end up turning to be. And all you're doing is have it's it's feeding your fear, and feeding your unbelief. In your life, and you wonder why there. You know, there's you're finding, you know, why life is not joyful. Why life is stressful. Because you don't have peace. So, the only thing that worry changes is you. And you need to be aware of that. Now, he says that what are we supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to talk to God about everything. Everything. But in everything, he says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made. every me say everything. What does that leave out? Nothing. If it's everything, it leaves out nothing. If it's not worth praying about, then it's certainly not worth worrying about. And so he's saying, listen, you are to pray about everything. Because worry is practical atheism. Worry is deciding that God's not in the mix. Worry is deciding that a God of love can't take care of things. And you're making a choice to have unbelief. So worry less and start asking more. Start talking to God about everything. Whatever comes along, talk to God. Now here, this, is what, this is what you do. You start to think about something that you have a concern. Before you start worrying, you pray. But you don't take it back because this is why you still worry as a Christian. Tell me say, why well, I do pray? Yeah, but you take it back. You say, "God, here, here, take care of this. Thank you. <laughs> and you grab back the very thing that you cast to God so you can hold on to it and worry about it more. And if you've cast it to God, it's His problem, you're supposed to leave it with him. But if you take it and you hold on to it, then... And you start to you know, meditate and think about it and then concern yourself more about it. Well, you're not letting God handle it. You're handling it. So we, we, we cast it before God. That's what prayer is about. Lord, this is yours. And here's the thing. Worry becomes a way of life. And Living with anxiousness and worry becomes a habit, a learned habit. And you learn it, and you, and you feed on it, and you can't feel normal without it, and you don't know how to fill your mind with anything else but worry. Now, that process becomes ingrained in your thinking. Some of you have been doing this for so many years It is the go-to. It is is your default situation, possible situation, possible problem. And your default goes directly there, worry. And now, by simply coming and and praying a prayer, doesn't mean you're not going to worry. Because if you grab that thing again... You're back to where you were, you're back to square one even though you gave it, you didn't give it to God, you mentioned it to God. And mentioning it to God is not the same as giving it to God. And so when you're, when you're in this mode and you're in this cycle, there, there's a transformation that has to happen. And some of you have to come to the point where you do exactly what we did, you, you stop worrying, you stop being anxious, and you say, I'm not going to think that anymore, I'm not going to take that anymore, I'm not going to accept that fear anymore. I reject it. And a battle is going to have to ensue. In your mind, you're going to have to have this battle, it's going to, it's going to take, you're going to have to fight it through and change your processing, change your thinking. You see? So you, ref- you have to refuse to worry about anything. And you need, to, you, you, you need to pray about everything. And then you need to thank God in all things. So instead of mentioning it to God and then taking it back, <coughs> excuse me, you cast it to God in prayer. And then you start thanking him for the answer that's why it's prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So you cast out, your, you cast your prayer to God and then you start to be thankful. Thank you, Lord, that you can take care of that. Thank you, God, that you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna handle my finances or you're gonna handle my, you know, my marriage. You're gonna handle, and it doesn't mean that you don't, there isn't planning or there isn't, you know, things that you will, will do or need to do, you know? If you're out of work, it doesn't mean you don't look for a job when you're casting it. You're casting the concern about it. You still, you know, you still maybe go, you know, looking for work or whatever it might be. It might mean, you know, your finances aren't, aren't uh, you know, aren't going, going well. Maybe you get into financial peace class or you learn a little bit about, you know, how to handle your, your finances, but what it means you don't then carry it as if you're God, you cast it and you thank him for the answer and you spend the rest of the time thanking him. Some of us, and you know who you are, you're addicted to the adrenaline of stress. You're addicted to and if you don't know, your spouse or your friend will tell you if they're honest. You're constantly living in a state of stress. You become physically addicted to the, and it, you, you, you will burn out young. You will burn out young. Physically, you will burn out young if you don't deal with that in your life. And you can't. You can't can't cast and take that thing back. You have to give it to God and you have to be thankful and you have to change your thinking process because listen, some of you, that's how you fill in the empty gaps in your life. When you're not too busy, you fill it with worry. And you don't know what to do because if you don't worry, what am I gonna think about? You actually have to change your thinking process. I think that's why he says pray about everything. Because what you, what you fill it with is prayer. And you start praying about everything. Now you're in relationship with God and God's peace is covering you. And God, God is covering you, this, as the scripture says, with a peace that passes understanding. A peace that's so wonderful that you can't fully comprehend it or explain it. And you're to live in that peace. In your life, and you're to walk in thanksgiving to God, and you're to give it fully to God. Corey Tinboon, who um, was uh, she? She, uh, she lived in Amsterdam during the Second World War, and her family—they were Christian—and they they were smuggling Jews from from the Nazis. And um, they would hide them in their house, in their house, and then try to get them out, smuggle them out of the country into safety. And uh, so that she wrote a book, and there was actually a movie on her life called "The Hiding Place," because that's what it was. The hi- they would hide them in their house; that was the hiding place behind walls and so forth. And um, and then uh, then they were caught, and her and her family were family and all those that were with them were dragged off to concentration camps. And every one of her family would, died in the camps except for her. And after all of that, talk about stress and anxieties and all the things that come along with that. She, uh, she had a saying she would use all the time. Something I think you learn when you go through something that that deep he said if you look at the world you'll be distressed if you look within you'll be depressed but if you look at to Christ you'll be at rest see i believe that's absolutely true but but you 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 can't look at Christ and then take your eyes off him and put your focus on the thing you have to keep your eyes on the lord you see, you, you have to Retrain, if you would. Three years ago, you know, most of you know, I went through. I went through a physical change in my life, and it and it uh, it, it wasn't menopause. Just <laughs> I I had my body, my my um, immune system attacked my own nerve system. And the result of that was I could feel, literally feel the change in my body. It was a physical thing. Because I've, I've kind of always been kind of, um, things tend to, you know, not you know, even you know, physically or anything stress me. I was always healthy in my life. But all of a sudden, because of that, because of what it did to my nerve system, I could feel... More stress about things. If I start to think or to worry about something, I'd feel it like physically. And I went through this process as because, you know, immediately I lost control of you know strength. In my whole life, I've you know I've been strong and healthy and and all of that. And then I I wasn't strong enough to button the buttons on my T-shirt. You know, I wasn't strong enough to open a door to. Uh, to go to the restroom. Just simple things. But what it caused me to do, not only was it a physical change, but then it started to become a mental change. Because then I would think about things that it, I, I had to figure things out. Like how I was gonna go down the stairs in the morning, or if my wife wasn't there, how I was how was it gonna get back up or how was it gonna get on stage or you know, simple things in life that you have to kind of think of ahead of time. You know, you have to buy shoes that you can't, that you don't have to tie and you have to find ways. They're just little things that I never thought of in my life that, that, sorry to say, that I never thought of the people who have to do that every day of their life. And so this though, it started to transform my, not only what I, how I thought, but how I emotionally connected with those things that I had to do. I've told you before, you know, I'd run to, the, you know, to the restroom at church and then hope somebody else had to go to the restroom so they could open the door so I could get out, you know, or make, you know, wonder if I had the strength to, uh, you know, to zip up my zipper. So I, it would have been embarrassing standing before you or sitting at the time before you. So all those things kind of go through your thinking and it's changed my thinking, because then I went from thinking about those things to worrying about those things. And what I found that w- this is what I found more about worry during this season is I found that worry grows. That it started being that I would worry about things, you know, how I was going to do this or how I was going to make this happen, to worrying about other things, little things, things that weren't going to happen. They had nothing to do, but my mind started to do that, and I remember being to the place where every little thing caused me to be concerned, and fearful, and and anxious about just about everything, and and I remember the day, I was, I I mean, I I realized I was doing, and I had, I didn't know what to do. Because my mind was being filled with all this anxiety. And I remember I was in my office at home. I have a home office. I was sitting there kind of having a little time of prayer. And I just said, that's it. I'm not going to give in to any more fear. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to meditate on it. When it comes, the moment it comes, I'm casting it to God and I'm done with it. And I made a decision. Now, I would like to say that it never happened again. It wasn't. I had to walk through a battle that I had built. See, I had built a habit in a short period of time that I had to break that. But I want you to know it can be broken completely. That when those fearful thoughts come or those anxious thoughts come, you do not have to entertain them. But what you do have to do is you have to fill your mind. You have to fill the gap where worry leaves. And that's why I think in this portion of Scripture, the, thir- the fourth thing here, or point D, is finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, not a blank meditation, meditate on his word, keep his word before you, keep his, him before you, it tells you in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You need to guard your mind and if you'll do that, let me tell you, God can free you. You can live your life without all this worry and stress. And let me tell you, the less you worry, the more faith will be able to grow in you. And you will have more miracles. You will have see God do more good, great things in your life if you'll get free. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today because today you are a victor. Because of you, Lord Jesus, we can walk in faith and victory, Lord. We do not have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We can live in peace, Lord. Some of some people, Lord, their homes are a mess because someone in that home is so filled with anxi- anxiety and worry. It affects the whole family. There are people, Lord God, that their workplace is affected because they're such worriers that they can't even see the opportunity around them. Worry has. Lord, taking control of their, their, um, their energy, their time. And they, Lord, it has stifled their opportunity and their ministry, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, you'll free them from it. I pray for those that, Lord, are distant from you and they don't know that you're a loving God that has paid the ultimate price for their salvation. But today I pray that, Lord, they'll open their heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins Help me to follow you, Jesus. I surrender my heart to you. Lord, those of you that are here, that you need to do that, you just do that right now. God will hear you right where you are. Jesus, come in my life. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I trust that you died for me. You were buried and you conquered death. I receive you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I pray victory, Lord, the bondages of anxiety I break in the name of Jesus. I come against the bondages, Lord, of anxiety and fear, Lord, that has crept into people's lives, caused people to be snappy toward one another, and marriages, Lord, that have there's there's anxiety, Lord, in that that doesn't need to even be there. Lord, free people. Let us walk in the joy and the peace that you offer, the peace that passes understanding. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to ask the ushers to get ready. We're going to receive the offering. But what we do when when we receive the offering, the offering for two reasons. One, for those who like to give in the offering bucket, many of you give online and do all that. Um, but um, also it's a time to, let's, let's, you know, we said prayer and thanksgiving. How about we close with thankful hearts, huh, to God. That we fill, out, fill our, our minds instead of with the worries and anxieties that we have, whatever they might be. The, the challenges you face today, this week, whatever it might be, with praise and worship. And then after the offering goes around, the ushers are going to start handing out the communion um, elements. And if you would like to take communion with us, when they hand them out, just take the elements and hold them, and we'll take them together, and that's how we're going to close, okay? So let's lift our hearts. Father, I pray that you'll just bless as we bring the work of our hands, our offering of worship to you in Jesus' name.